Good morning. morning. Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Thankful for all that has been shared here already. And um, thankful for that devotional. It'll... uh, we uh, are overlapping, not really overlapping, but uh, kind of uh, some similar veins that we'll be uh, looking at. Uh, I think you'll kind of see that, especially toward the end of the message uh, that I'll be sharing. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, you can, we'll begin by uh, reading Galatians 5, 22 and 23. For some of you, that uh, might even be a familiar enough one that you could quote it by memory. But it is the scripture in Galatians where it uh, identifies the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. If uh, you were here when I preached several weeks ago, I preached on the subject of self-control, which is in uh, in our King James, the word is generally temperance, which is actually the last of the uh, fruits of the Spirit listed in the order that are listed here. And uh, so I have chosen to back up and get the next one. (laughs) Uh, uh, Meekness is the subject we'll be looking at this morning. And I've titled the message, Meekness, What Is It? Uh, I found it to be a very fascinating study myself. I hope it can be uh, an interesting uh, topic to you. Um, You know, when we, when we think about fruit, and in the beginning here, I'm just going to take a few minutes and uh, actually just talk about fruit first before we actually begin to discuss the subject of meekness. And we, I kind of uh, touched on it the last time, uh, but uh, thought I might do a little more of a thorough job in, 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 uh, in the, on the subject of fruit in the life of the Christian. How does fruit happen in our life as a Christian? Uh, is it just a natural result of having the Spirit of God within Does it just happen? I'd like to to 
answer that question, I'd like to look at the example of the children of Israel when they uh, stood on the border of the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was coming behind them and uh, they were in a predicament, you might say. They were in a difficult spot. So, in, in the the uh, the text for that account is in Exodus 14, verse 9, and may, I think I'll turn there just to uh, maybe a few things I want to highlight. Exodus 14, verse 9. <clears throat> I'll just break in. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and all his horsemen and his army and overtook them in camping by the sea beside Pihirath and before Bel-Zephon. And when, when Pharaoh drew near, when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we... T- did tell thee in Egypt, Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you. And ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. I'm going to stop there. Um, So they're standing at the sea. The Egyptian army is coming behind them. And they do what is common to humans. First off, they get scared. They do cry out to God. And they criticize their leader. (laughs) Um, Sort of common for humans. Kind of a common pattern. Uh, But then notice God. Of course, Moses... uh, spoke to them and told them that God's going to take care of them. But they're standing and there is a sea in, ahead of them. And, and God said, why cry, why dost, uh, why criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Do you think that water would have parted if the children of Israel would not have started marching? I don't think it would have. 
They started marching. They started moving toward a sea with no bridge. And we, we're not sure how far back they were. We're not sure how far they had to go till they actually got to the, you know, maybe they had an hour or two of march yet. We don't know that. But they, uh, they had to, they, the, um, they were required to exercise faith in God in this situation. And they started moving and God went to work and did, did what he needed to do to clear the waters and make a way for them to go through. I think that is uh, an, an illustration of how uh, the fruit of the Spirit uh, develops in the life of the Christian. It's not uh, something where we just passively sit by and it happens because there is this Spirit that is working in us and it just produces fruit. It just happens. Turn to Romans 8. There are various scriptures that we could look at when we think about God's Spirit and its work in our lives. Romans 8 is a beautiful one and one of, probably one of my favorites about the work of the Spirit. Romans 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the, for the, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I'm going to stop there, at least for the moment. Again, we could read nearly the whole chapter and it would all apply. But... uh, Notice that uh, verse 1 and verse 4 have an identical phrase. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So basically that uh, identifies two pathways that we can walk in, uh, in general. You know, it's that simplified version perhaps, but... I think we understand that in life, um, the scripture generally lays out two pathways. And one is, is uh, walking and pursuing the things of the Spirit and the things of God, the things of, uh, of uh, Christ. And the other is pursuing the things of the flesh. And... Uh, you know, as a Christian, uh, we recognize that those those two pathways are still very much a a, a, a reality in our lives. You know, we we uh, day by day, uh, moment by moment, uh, are faced with decisions that we have to decide which of these pathways are we going to walk on, which. Uh, 
what are we going to pursue at this fork in the road? Maybe we'd say it that way, and maybe it would look better if we had uh, uh, had more of a why in the road as we're walking along in life's journey. And uh, there comes a, a, an event, a situation, and we have a choice to make on which pathway we're going to follow. We can... Uh, Many, and I think, I, I'm suspecting that you understand quite well what I'm saying. Many, many times we have those choices to make and, and uh, decide which, are we going to walk in the spirit or are we going to f- follow what our flesh would dictate, would, would uh, uh, tell us to do. If we, if we just turn over to Romans 8 verse 13, it says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Um, so, we recognize that the, the pathway of the, of the flesh is one that is one of death and ends in even greater death. And the pathway of life is one of life and ends in even greater life. Uh, so, we're probably, it's probably not hard for us to, as we look at that, to decide, you know, that's, it's not even a question. I want to walk in the way of life. Uh, for one thing, it's much more pleasant in, in this life. And it's much more pleasant in the life to come. But the moment-by-moment decisions are not always so easy and not always so clear. And uh, sometimes we wrestle or or discover that we started down the wrong road a bit and uh, have to do some backpedaling and get back on track. Uh, get on the right road. So as we look at uh, the 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 this scripture that as it as it teaches us about. The life in the spirit, and uh, that there are two ways to walk. Um, so I'm going to assume from here that you all desire to walk in the pathway of life. If you haven't already started, it's a good choice. Uh, it's the best choice. The other pathway is only uh, ends uh, in misery. And unfulfilled desires and and guilt, like was spoken of in children's class, and all those kind of things. So, how does fruit then happen in our lives? You know, so we it it, it talks here about uh, walking in the uh, after the spirit, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. 
So let's, uh, let's just use one example from the list in Galatians 5.20, which is the works of the flesh. <coughs> in Galatians 5, uh, well, let me read 19 and 20 just to get the context. <coughs> Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's a list of the works of the flesh. That's the list uh, that uh, will be a part of your life to a greater or lesser degree on various ones if you choose to walk in the flesh, in the way of the flesh. Um, so think about, let's just think about the one there, wrath. So uh, sometimes we use the word anger. In its place, uh, the Bible, our King James uses wrath. Uh, so, let's just say that you're a uh, believer and you are, you have a besetting sin of wrath. You get angry. You get upset when th- something doesn't pan out the way you thought it should, or your uh, day doesn't go well, or the wrench slips and your finger gets pinched, and uh, the your uh, prize cake burned in the pan and whatever. I don't know what upsets ladies. I just, I'm a man. <laughs> Anyhow, you got the problem. You got a problem with anger and wrath. So, uh, but you're, you're a Christian. You want to walk with God. Well, you look at the scriptures and you, you see that, uh, you know, James says in James 1 verse 20 that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So, that convinces you that wrath is not really a good thing in your life. Proverbs says a man, in verse uh, chapter 19, verse 19, A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment. For if thou deliver him, yet thou must do it again. Uh, gives a very negative connotation to being a person who gets angry, gets upset. So we understand that wrath is a work of the flesh. So, as a Christian, we recognize it's a problem. It may feel a bit like the sea, you know, the sea that the children of Israel stood in front of. It may feel like a, like an unsurpassable situation. There's no way across it. There's no way through it. It seems impossible. That's maybe what you would feel like if you were dealing with that kind of a uh, problem. And it could be any of the, it could be, it could be a, a host of other things, but we're just using this as an example. But as we pursue the right, you know, we, we read the scripture, it speaks into our hearts. It, it helps us realize this is not right. This is not acceptable. This is not the fruit of the Spirit. 
This is, in fact, the work of my flesh. This wrath, this anger. And we pursue the right. We, we begin to march. We pursue. We set our face on the goal. Uh, we begin to respond. We, you know, we study the scriptures. What does it say about my problem? What can I do about it? And the scripture, the spirit of God brings conviction, which causes us and helps us to pursue the right. And it strengthens and enables us to, uh, to gain victory. And, and I appreciated what uh, Josh uh, said about uh, James there in confessing our faults, you know. We look at the scriptures. You know that that piece, that little piece there in James, is a a um, it's a prize nugget for someone who truly desires to get victory in an area of their life. It really is. If a person is wrestling with something in their life that they just can't seem to overcome, that is a prize nugget. If you will take it and find a way to. Uh, apply it in your life and whether it's uh, having a few people that you simply call to your side and open up to them and share your struggle and 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 begin a life of accountability with them uh, or whether you decide you're going to share it with the, the brothers or whatever uh, or the uh, uh, a young lady with the sisters or whatever it is a it's a nugget when it comes to actually overcoming uh, besetting issues, and uh, and it's through those avenues as we pursue. Okay, so here God gives us a little piece of wisdom, and and in James there, and you grab a hold of that, and you make that a part of your life, and you know, in time, you will you will see that struggle minimize, and maybe even go away to a, for a, to a large part. Simply, uh, as you were engaging your heart and you were pursuing uh, and following through with what uh, scriptural instruction you found that spoke to your situation and the Spirit of God comes along and helps, enables you, empowers you, strengthens you, gives you uh, grace that you don't have otherwise and that fruit becomes in, it becomes a reality in your experience. Uh, the fruit of, well, what's the opposite of wrath? Gentleness. <laughs> um, so, anyhow, that uh, that is the, maybe you call that a long introduction to a message, I'm not sure. But uh, the next, uh, moving on now, uh, so the, today's message is meekness, what is it? And so I'd like to start off simply by asking this question. Meekness, is it important? Is it important? Well, let's look at some of the verses that, uh, the new, that the scriptures have on meekness. Some of them, I'm, I simply, uh, I simply did a search on the word meek. And listed all those verses and a, and a search on the word meekness and listed all those verses. Uh, and they're, they're actually just reading those verses is all together without interruption, you know, as a, as a, as a lump. 
is actually kind of revealing uh, about the subject. There's a few that may not apply as much. Um, and if I happen to see one that the context doesn't apply as much, uh, I may not possibly may not read it. But I'm just going to go down through starting in Numbers 12, verse three. Okay, and this we will come back to later in, in the message. But this is the example Moses in Numbers 12, verse three says, now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Proverbs 22:26 The meek shall eat and be satisfied they shall praise the Lord that seek him your heart shall live forever Proverbs or excuse me Psalm 25 verse 9 The meek will he guide in judgment and the meek will he teach his way Psalm 37 verse 11 but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Psalm 76, verse 9, When God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth. Psalm 147, verse 6, The Lord lifteth up the meek, he casteth the wicked to the ground. Psalm 149, verse 4, For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people, he will beautify the meek with salvation. Isaiah 11, verse 4, but, the, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Isaiah 29, 19, the meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 61, 1, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to op- and the opening of prison to them that are bound. Amos 2, verse 7, that panteth after the dust of the earth on the head of the poor and turn aside the way of the meek. A man and his father will go in. That, that, that scripture isn't actually in the context of what we're looking at. So going on to Zephaniah. Seek 2 verse 3. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. It may, it may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Coming into the New Testament. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 5. Matthew 11:29 Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I'm meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Matthew 21:5 Tell ye the daughter of Zion behold thy king cometh unto the unto thee meek and sitting upon an ass and the colt the foal of an ass. 1 Peter 3 verse 4 but let it be the hidden man of the heart, that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. So those are all the scriptures that contain the word meek in the Bible. Now we have the ones on meekness. And uh, I think I think I'm just going to have you stand while we read those. Maybe you won't get as tired. Get your brain working, <clears throat> moving. All right. 
scriptures on meekness. Psalm 45, verse 4. And, and in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness, righteousness and thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Zephaniah uh, 2, verse 3. Seek ye the Lord, and this is an overlap from the other one. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth which have wrought his judgment, seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. And then we get right into the New Testament. Meekness, actually, uh, most references are in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 21, What will ye? This is Paul. Shall I come unto you with a rod, or in love and in the spirit of meekness? 2 Corinthians 10.1 Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. Uh, Galatians 5.23 Meekness, temperance against such there is no law. Galatians 6.1 Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Ephesians 4.2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Colossians 3.12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. 1 Timothy 6.11, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. 2 Timothy 2.25, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Titus 3.2, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. <clears throat> James 1.21, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. James 3.13, Who is a wise man endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. And First Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, that is in you with meekness, and fear. That is uh, the end of the scripture readings concerning meekness. And since we're all standing, why don't we just take a brief moment and pray? Father, thank you. Thank you for this moment as we again are uh, in your presence and as we again open our hearts to your word. Lord, thank you for. Uh, as we would say, leaving no stone unturned. You have, you have given all that we need uh, as it pertains to life and godliness. You have given us all the instruction. You have given us all the insights. You have given us all the uh, direction. You have uh, provided the means through Jesus Christ, uh, forgiveness of sins, uh, a new life through the made available through the shed blood of Jesus. Father, we are grateful, thankful to you. Lord, as we uh, continue on this subject of meekness, we, we ask for your help. We ask for your spirit to, first off, to help me
to share the things that uh, you have been uh, uh, pressing in my spirit as I have pondered and studied and, and searched these, uh, these things a bit for my own heart. And then, Father, for each of us here, that uh, we could profit from uh, this subject, a subject that our current evil world uh, has little regard for, but we find it a subject that is, is uh, close to your heart. And so, bless us, Father, this morning, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so, I uh, raised the question early on, uh, meekness, is it important? Is that how I said it? Um, I think... I think those scriptures should convince us that it is important, uh, that it is something uh, worthy of spending time meditating on and and thinking about and asking the questions, how does it apply to my life? Uh, what should it look like in the life of a Christian, perhaps? So, is it important? The next, uh, the next uh, thought I'd like to give some attention to is simply this. Meekness, and this is, was our title, I believe, what is it? <laughs> Meekness, what is it? It's one of those words that uh, if you just get out a standard uh, dictionary you will not come away with a biblical uh, understanding of meekness. It is generally, not all uh, de- definitions are this way and not, you know, but in general it is, it is presented as a weakness, as just bowing under, you know, just letting, letting yourself be run over maybe, you know, just a kind of putting it in my own words a bit. I would like to, um, by the grace of God, I, I don't believe that is meekness at all. I don't believe it's biblical meekness, and I'm hoping when we're done, you actually uh, really, actually, really appreciate the concept of meekness. Maybe you already do. Maybe you've already uh, have it all framed in your mind the way uh, I'm We'll be looking at it or searching it out this morning, and praise God if that's the case, because uh, it is it is a uh, uh, almost like I said almost a fascinating subject. So, uh, when I, when I uh, and I'm not exactly sure which dictionary I found this definition, but. It gave this definition as one of the definitions. It said uh, that meekness is divine and objective clemency. Clemency. Well, if you're like me, well, you have to get the dictionary out and find out what clemency means. (laughs) And I actually got the dictionary out to find out what objective means. Well, uh, clement, clement, clemency, clemency is... uh, is a, is a key word in this in in understanding this uh, subject of meekness clemency means this 
It is gentleness in the use of power and authority. Gentleness in the use of power and authority. So, we will unpack this a bit. uh, And I'll just reiterate again, meekness is not weakness. Not at all. In fact, as we will look at several biblical uh, 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 examples... And uh, you will discover that uh, it's anything but weakness. So, in uh, the first one I'd like you to look at is in Numbers 12. We uh, looked at uh, it very briefly in that reading of the scriptures. But we'll go there, Numbers 12. We'll read verses 1 to 3. In Numbers 12, it says, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because he, because of the uh, e- Egyptian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Egyptian woman. And they say, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. And then we have verse 3. It says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And maybe we'll just read a little bit more of the context. Uh, Verse 4 says, And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. Uh, And I'm not going to uh, finish that whole account. But just to, to note kind of the events that happened there, uh, they spoke against Moses, and it's very apparent that uh, uh, Moses uh, does not seem to have defended himself at the least, in the least, uh, from what we're given here in the scriptures. Um, it's possible there's some discourse happened that's not recorded. That's, you know, could very well. But I, the fact that the scripture says that Moses, just right there, it interjects this thought that Moses was the meekest man who ever, uh, who lived in the face of the earth, uh, is, and it puts it in that context. It puts it in the context where he was the man in authority, Someone under him was defying his authority. And in that context, it says he was the meekest man uh, who ever lived. An interesting, uh, an interesting revelation of, of uh, meekness. Moses would have had the authority to set them straight. He'd have had the authority to 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 draw the punchline. He'd have had the authority to take him outside of the camp and probably do away with him. He probably could have done it. But he didn't. And the scripture uh, commends him as being uh, a meek man in that face of that situation. Let's think about uh, Jesus. Going to Matthew, just looking at several examples of meekness. 
going to Matthew 26, and with the life of Jesus, there, there would be a host of examples you could look at. But let's look at this one in Matthew 26, verse 52. We have here uh, the, well, verse 51, uh, Judas has just come out to, uh, has betrayed Jesus and they, they've come to meet him with this band of soldiers. And in verse 51 it says, And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a high, servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. And then uh, 52, then said Jesus unto him, put up again thy sword into his place. For all that, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the, th- with the sword. Thinkest thou not, thinkest thou, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that Thus it must be. This is a similar situation. Uh, Jesus, we recognize that Jesus was. Uh, he was. A, he was. A, he was. A, he was. He, he, uh, he was in a. He was an. He is. He was a, an authority figure, let me say it that way. In this situation, he had a whole lot more that he could, uh, he had more defenses that were available to him than, uh, he had, a, let me say it this way, he had enough defenses available to him that he could have took on the entire world of humanity and won. In other words, men could not have done anything with him if he would not have allowed him to do it. It was at his disposal. I could pray to my father and he would send a legion, 12 legions of angels and it would be the end of the story. Meekness. What is it? Gentleness in the use of power or authority. We'll we'll look at a few more examples and I'll try to round it out a little more. A little more detail what I'm thinking. We looked at Philippians 2, Josh did in the devotional. Uh, I'm going to read uh, several verses here again in the ESV. Uh, Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of, on the cross, on a cross. 
in Jesus' life and ministry, uh, he would have had many opportunities to demonstrate his power and authority. He would have had many opportunities. In fact, the devil tempted him to do it by jumping off the pinnacle of the temple. Uh, He could have done it. He could have jumped down, uh, not been hurt, because he'd had control over the whole thing. Uh, He could have had many opportunities to uh, demonstrate his, his, that he's, He's the, the top. He's the top man. In other words, that he's the man in charge. That his power supersedes any other power. He would have had the opportunity to do it. But he didn't. In the face of the opportunities, he didn't do it. Just like uh, Moses didn't do it. We have the uh, we have the example of Paul in in First Corinthians. Uh, he says, "What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod, or in love and in the spirit of meekness?" Then in in Second Corinthians ten verse one, and I'm going to read this in the ESV. I Paul myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold when I am away from you. And that was actually an accusation they made. In, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 10, he he's quotes them, uh, quotes what they say. He says, for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. So in verse 1 of chapter 10, uh, Paul, as he entreats them, he actually uh, uh, is entreating them uh, based on some accusations that they're making. Uh, so it, what I'm saying here is Paul also demonstrates meekness. And uh, then we also have uh, the example of Abraham with Lot. We're familiar with that story. Uh, the... The land was too full, or the land was uh, the Abraham and Lot's herds and and cattle and people and and everything they both had. They were uh, they were fighting. <laughs> the servants were fighting over the land, and uh, so Abraham comes up with a solution. And uh, I'll just again, I'll, I'll read it. I have it here in, again in the ESV says, uh, so the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's livestock and the herdmen of Lot's livestock. At, the, at that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites dwelt, um, were dwelling in the land. Then Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me, between your herdmen and my herdmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourselves, yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will take the right. If you go to the right hand, then I will go to the left. You know, I think all of us realize that Abraham was the older, was the senior, had taken care of Lot. 
would have had every right to say, okay, there's a, you know, we have a problem here. We're going to solve it. I'm taking my herds over here and you take yours over here. He would have had the authority to do that. He would have had the position to do that. He would have been, uh, he would have probably been respected if he'd have done that. But he didn't do that. He rather gave opportunity for Lot to choose and then he took what was left. These examples, uh, they really, uh, they really highlight what meekness really is. In, in all of these cases, the, the individuals, uh, the, the examples that we looked at, um, in the face of, in the face of opportunity, each of them would have had opportunity to, uh, exercise their right. Maybe we could say it that way. Each of them would have had opportunity to exercise their right. Um, Moses. Jesus. Uh, Paul and uh, Abraham. They were in the place of authority. They were the senior. They were, you know, we know there's no question about Christ. He was above all, over all. But in the face of opportunity... To demonstrate that authority. I am the top man here. You know, Moses, for example. I am the top man here. Why are you bucking against me? In the face of the opportunity, they all chose a different path. Um, We'll just call this the opportunity. And uh, and meek response. Uh, Not sure if I'm getting it across the way it uh, uh, stuck or, yeah, the way it uh, fascinated my mind as I considered the, the fact that uh, meekness is actually, there's actually a crossroad or a, or a why in the road uh, where a, an individual has the opportunity to either exercise his right and, and what is rightly his or to choose rather to take a response of meekness. And that's what we find in, in the life of Moses, in the life of Jesus, in the life of Paul, in the life of Abraham, and you could probably come up with others. 
You want to you want to think about a response that uh, was anything but meekness. Think about uh, oh no, his name slips my mind. The fellow that wanted the vineyard and then he went Ahab wanted the vineyard and he was told no, and he was a man in authority. And rather than humble himself and respond with meekness, he went and sulked and whatever else and anything but meekness. So. That gives you a contrast there. Um, so, uh, the the opportunity to do otherwise is what really uh, highlights the value of meekness. Because the opportunity would have been there to do differently. But they, the pathway they chose was one of meekness. And in that context, we get a true picture of what meekness actually is. And, like I said, it is anything but weakness. The ability, in the, uh, in the face of opportunity, to exercise authority, to stand up and make your mark, and to choose to do otherwise, is anything but weakness. It's actually incredible strength. It's amazing strength. Is what it is. Now, uh, like to just give a moment to the thought of so meekness. How does it differ from humility? Um, and that's something I've I've often just kind of felt like the two words kind of run together and the concepts run together. Maybe we could uh, maybe we could use a contrast for that. So, what might be a? Let's think about humility for a moment. I, I, I'm assuming, or I guess we often think of pride as the the contrast to humility. Uh, so, let's just think about pride for a bit. What is often the result? What, what is something that you often see in a person's life who is proud? What's, what's an attitude that often comes, emanates out of a person's life who is proud? Any ideas? The word I'm thinking about. Arrogance. Arrogance, that's right. Uh, arrogance is the one I'm looking for. Um, I brought this over here so I know how to spell it. So, uh, pride. When there's pride in a in a in a person's heart and life, uh, pride is an inflated estimation of myself. That's what it is, an inflated estimation of myself. And it, or let me just finish it out here, an an inflated estimation of myself, my abilities, my opinions, my importance. Uh, You know, you can kind of put in there what you, what you, yeah. And the result of that, in general, 
the result of that pride. So pride is kind of a, it's a heart thing. It's a personal thing. It's, it's in here. But then what emanates out to you from me, if I'm a proud person, is generally arrogance. That's a general rule. So humility, how does humility and uh, meekness, what's the difference? What was my question? Yeah, how do they differ? How does meekness differ from humility? So just like pride uh, results in arrogance, when there's humility, you generally... You generally have emanating out of that heart, out of that life, a sense of meekness. Perfectly? Probably not. Is the proud person always arrogant? Probably not. But, you know, the, you know, the, you understand the, the uh, general, uh, uh, when there's humility in the heart, uh, the humility again is, it's, 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 it's what's going on in here. And meekness is what's coming out from me to you uh, as a result. Pride's going on in here. Arrogance comes out from me to you. Humility is going on in here. Meekness comes out from me to you. Does that make sense? Um, So the difference between humility and meekness very much related and yet uh, all right. Now some practical applications for us. So we've looked at it. We've thought about it. We've uh, defined it a bit. So again, back to our definition. Uh, meekness is divine, observable, observable gentleness in the use of power and authority. So we've... Uh, Yeah, let me just finish this thought yet. Meekness is exercised when there would have been opportunity to do otherwise. Like we had pointed out. Uh, meekness is exercised when there would have been opportunity to take a different path. Uh, let's think about it again. Just, uh, Just kind of kind of weaves this all together a little bit. I just thought of an illustration, thought of something that I uh, noticed on the highway this week, uh, one day driving home from a job. We were on a two-lane highway, busy highway, and two cars come speeding by at a high rate of speed. Uh, First, they're in the left lane passing. Then they weave to the right and pass in that lane. Then they're back in the left lane. And then they weave to the right again. And after a while, they're, they're out of my sight. But uh, the what 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 was that, what what um, what was what would you say is emanating out of the character of the driver when they're doing that? Isn't it like I'm the king of the road and I'm going to 
do what I want to do. I'm going to get where I want to go. I, you, you know, it doesn't matter what, who you are and what you're doing. I'm, I'm going to do what I got to do. Uh, that's that's the uh, that's the uh, the the sense that you get from that kind of a situation. Uh, just again thinking about and then thinking about the. Uh, the humility and the more of the meek response. Uh, you know, obviously we we all move traffic lanes. We all, uh, you know, we. But there is a difference. <laughs> There's a drastic difference. So when we think about uh, Abraham. Uh, Moses, Jesus, Paul, uh, and we think about it from the standpoint of authority. The uh, uh, the definition uses the word gentleness in the use of power and authority or authority. Uh, when we think about it in the terms of authority, you know, most of us, if not all of us, of course, children excluded here, maybe a little bit. Well, on one hand, but most of us especially a, a young adults on up, most of us are in places of authority and we're under authority in just various different levels in our lives. Uh, it's just, it's how life is. You know, if you're a, and just examples, you know, if you're a business owner, you're, you're a man in a place of authority. If you're a pastor or a deacon, you're a father, you're a mother, you're a job foreman, you're a, a ministry leader, you're, you know, you can just, the list could go on and on. There's, there, there, it's places of authority. It's places where people function and have responsibilities and are in charge and are expected to lead out and expected to give direction and expected to call the shots when a shot needs called, you know, and all those kind of things. We, we understand those, um, those things. And the question for us is, in those places of authority, how do we respond? Are we able to hold a place of authority with gentleness? Or do we exercise ourselves with muscle? (laughs) With, I'm in charge, after all, you know, um. Or do we, yeah, that's, you know, in our places of responsibility, um, are we able to hold those places of responsibility and exercise with gentleness, even though there would be opportunity to do otherwise? But you know the flip side, there's also a flip side to that coin, you know, uh, so there's, there's, you know, all these levels of authority and that we who hold those positions of authority need to consider how we hold them and how we handle them. But then the, there's the flip side of those who are under authority and particularly, especially when Someone in authority actually 
fails your expectations and makes a mistake. And you have to, or you have an opportunity to exploit that failure, that uh, uh, unfulfilled expectation. And then it's your opportunity on that side of the coin to uh, seize the opportunity and hone in on that failure or respond with a meek response and what meekness would look like in that situation. So there's hardly any of us left out when it comes to responding to life in a manner of meekness. Another area that I thought is is one that's that's worthy to think about a little bit in uh, this matter of uh, it says uh, ob- observable gentleness in the use of power or authority. <clears throat> And power. Just think about the word power for a little bit, and that's where Josh was this morning. I'm going to think about power at a different, in a different area of our lives. Did you know that uh, money is power? You ever stop and think about it? Doesn't the scripture say that the borrower is servant to the lender? So that means the lender has the power. He's the man in charge, you might say. You know, we sometimes talk about purchasing power. You know, you don't actually have to have cash on hand to have purchasing power. If you have enough of credentials to get good credit you can actually have a lot of purchasing power without having it with without a dollar in your pocket <laughs> but what i like us to think about a little bit is the power uh the, the purchasing power and the power of money and 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 that it gives you the it gives you the power to do things if you have either the money in hand or you have the, uh, the, the credit to do it. It gives you the power to do things. And we have to stop and think about it a little bit. In the last message we had touched on, I don't remember the exact, uh, uh, we touched on self, it was self-control, obviously, the message, and we touched on finances a bit there and talked a little bit about, or I made the comment that if we have the money, something about if we have the money, does that, just because we can afford it, does that always make it right? That's, I believe, the way I raised the question. And I think it's something that uh, we need to think about. I don't know how much it actually affects us here, but in our, I, I do know that it does affect our Anabaptist community, and if it affects our Anabaptist community, then we're we're affected by it in greater or lesser degrees. Uh, and that is this whole thing of purchasing power. Uh, whether it's because you have the cash on hand or whether it's because you have the credit and you, you can do it. It's at your disposal and you can do it. Um, in a capitalistic, in a capitalistic environment like we have, 
money equals power in many ways and many levels not you know not not uh, exclusive but in many ways and wealth and available credit presents opportunity presents many opportunities to do things that someone who doesn't have the wealth or the available credit can do and like I said the last time, does that always make it right? Uh, just because you have the wealth or you have the available credit to do to do it, does that always make it right? You know, let's just uh, and I, I really hesitate to use, but how do you make it practical if you don't use real life examples? Um, I'll say it this way, and I won't use any specific industry, but it's not, you know and I know that it's not that uncommon in our Anabaptist communities to have businessmen who represent a certain sector of a business, and you will see, especially if that business, they've been in a business for a bit, a while, and the business is thriving, you will see a, a considerable elevation in the uh, living standard, the style of home they live in or might build, um, the, the vehicles they drive, it is not unusual. It is not unusual in our conservative communities to see those things. But how about, how about, so opportunity. Opportunity is there. Business has done well. There's a lot of cash in the bank for some of them probably. There's opportunity. But how about in the face of opportunity, choosing to actually maintain a a life, um, standard of living that is somewhat in keel with the rest of your community and your church families and, and, uh, People that you associate with. Is that a definition of meekness? If you choose to do that. Gentleness. Observable. Divine observable gentleness. In the use of power. And authority. In the use of money. In the use of the power of using money. Sure, a good bank account gives you purchasing power. Good credit gives you purchasing power. You have power. But do you have the gentleness and the meekness to actually restrain yourself from just doing what you want to do because you have the money to do it and the power and the uh, availability to do it? You know, we... We recognize and expect that there are, there are variations in our lifestyles and general lifestyles and, you know, we understand that. I'm not honing in on, I'm, I'm, but I am, I am challenging us and I, I don't, like I said, I don't know that there's really anyone here that is excessively in this state, but it's good for us to think about. And I don't really want us to look out there and, uh uh-huh, yeah, over there, that guy. 
I don't want us to do that. I just want us to think about it. You know, someday it might be us. It might be you that have the purchasing power. And you might be tempted to just elevate your lifestyle and and uh, just because you can. But think about it. Opportunity, but choosing to do otherwise. Choosing to maintain a uh, more average level of living, even though you could do otherwise. So the, the, the question, how do we respond to that opportunity? So just wrapping things up, uh, two verses here, Matthew eleven twenty nine. take my, Jesus' words, take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So, um, if we are exhorted to have the mind of Christ, uh, let his mind be in us, then I think it would be uh, fitting to say that we should seek to also, in the way that he was meek and lowly in heart, seek to do the same. So, as we think about meekness, um, what is it? I think this defines it as well as anything. It is the pathway of it's the pathway of of uh, not sure how to put it in, in in a nutshell, but you know the the opportunity is before us, and we choose the low road. Maybe I could just simply say it that way. Meekness. The opportunity is before us, but we choose the low road. So, meekness, what is it? I hope, uh, hope we answered the question. If you're able, kneel with me and we'll close with prayer. Father, again, we say thank you. Thank you for this assembly. Thank you for the freedom we have to gather. And, uh, worship and be uh, taught from the scriptures. We are grateful, grateful for all that have participated in the service this morning, not only by sharing and and, uh, leading, but also by uh, listening and being a a, uh, a student of the scriptures. Thank you. Thank you for every place that the word of God is preached again today. We do pray that uh, your spirit would do its work in the hearts of people. We pray that the kingdom would continue to be extended into the lives of others. We pray that those who are a part of the kingdom would continue to draw near to you, that they would uh, continue to learn how to resist the devil and how to uh, humble themselves in your sight, all of us, Lord. Do help us with those things, Father. And uh, again, thank you, Lord, for this uh, subject of meekness. We find it in the scriptures. We desire to understand it even more. And we desire to have it part of our uh, very being, Lord. That it might be that which emanates forth from us. So thank you, Lord. Again.
Thank you for this congregation. May your mercy, grace, and peace rest upon us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.